You are nice. here for number 69. How does that make That's you feel? Right. You know what? I feel so happy to be at this specific number. Look forward to your 420th episode. <laughs> Calm down, Elon. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, what, so what are you drinking? Are you drinking rum? Yeah, what so I'm drinking uh, Haitian rum. Oh, that's right. Haitian rum. It looks rum. very yeah. dark, so it's not it's not spiced, is it? It's a, it's yeah, no, it's, it's aged. It's like uh, 15. Oh. Like you, you can drink this like just like straight whiskey. Absolutely. Doesn't rum just could. age a lot faster anyways? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah rum's a lot faster to distill. Yeah, rum is probably bang for buck the cheapest. I'd say of all the liquors. And it has the added benefit of being making you sound more pretentious. I don't so know about it does. that. Yeah, 15 years. Oh, 15 year rum. You know, my roommate worked at a tiki bar. <laughs> see, see, this is this is a perfect, on point, perfect. You should also say, happy birthday, happy birthday roommate who worked at a tiki bar. Happy birthday, Styles, there. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day, and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, guys, and welcome back to Drunkonomics, the drinking podcast with an economics problem or two. Yeah, and with us today is another economics problem. Um, How do you do, Kevin? I called you Kyle last week, but sorry. No, it's definitely Kevin. <laughs> it's okay. So for those of you guys that don't remember, Aaron Wong is going to be the more gracious host today if you look at the VIX. Hi, James, your less gracious host. And with us... Kevin, our guest from, I want to say, Woods Rogers Law Firm. Yeah. But recently of uh, Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a very recently reformed federal employee. <laughs> uh, I'm currently at Woods Rogers, which is a law firm based in Virginia, uh, where I do cybersecurity privacy law. Now owned by that, the federal government? No, no federal ownership. Not, not okay. anymore. Cool, so a background on Kevin. I know Kevin from our time <laughs> okay. at UNL, kind of like I know Aaron from our time at Nebraska. But days. Kevin concentrated his studies uh, in law school on space, cyber, and telecommunications law, as well as international and national security. Is that about correct? Yep. All right. So that's why it was really cool when uh, Kevin and I were just talking and I was like, hey, would you be interested in jumping in on this specific topic that's really just getting at us? And Kevin's like, that's my jam, son. Yeah. And now we got him. Yeah. So, so said, yeah, it's uh, been a fun time. to our economics problem. Let's see if we can find a solution. Probably not. I mean, you know, it's all drink in hand, you know, drink responsibly or not. Uh, if you're about to drive, then please drink responsibly. But anyways, with that said... Should we talk about the news? Let's, uh, I mean, let's okay. Just go so let's catch uh, up really whole... fast on the VIX. So remember, we decide who's the more gracious, less gracious host based on the VIX. Yeah, VIX is still under 18. 18's about one for one. I don't know. I still feel like after the comments by Todd, I feel like you're forever the more gracious host because of that. But whatever. If you want to go off the VIX again, then sure, I'll welcome myself back into the role of the more gracious. I think host. the VIX is accurate. I feel like I get more gracious when the market starts to be wild right. and I'm less gracious when it's when it's consistently not making sense. Uh, um, okay, we get it. The market is too... Well, I, market okay, so I'll ask the same... So I'll just ask the same question I asked a second ago. Why was the market up 600 points today? Okay, so... <laughs> why was the Dow up 600 points today? I don't know. I think that, I think everybody was trying to buy the dip, man. Everybody was trying to buy the dip from last week because last week we had, what, five straight sessions where the market closed Yeah, it was, it was the worst week since October. Right, and a lot Saw of it that. was the way the market just kind of reacted to... Well, the Fed... The, being a period, the Fed meeting. Yeah, he's being a little bit more hawkish, and now everybody's like, okay, well, if he's being hawkish and he thinks inflation could be more than transitory, then, well, let's start reacting to that now. And uh, for some reason, 
a rational reaction would be to sell some stocks and have some cash when <laughs> when there's inflationary concerns. All right. So, okay. So now we got that out of the way. Yeah. So some of you have been asking. So much sense. <laughs> well, I, was I, gonna hope say, you, I hope you enjoyed that, Kevin. <laughs> I know. I, I, right there with you guys. <laughs> well, some of you guys have been asking or mentioned to us a few a few days ago. We were talking about some of the hacks, like the Colonial Pipeline hack. Oh, yeah. How that affected fuel in the Southeast specifically. And then one of you, who was it? Guess who it was? Todd KKP. It was it was Todd. I wanted to say Todd, but I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, Todd. It was definitely Todd. And then have it be like Tim, and Tim be like, the fuck. (laughs) Uh, So, and then of course, my mom emailed me and was like, oh yeah, she she was emailing me about hospitals getting hacked in Ireland and in New Zealand. And then so there we go. Apparently, apparently, five minutes after the hospitals get hacked, some hospitals in Florida got hacked. So I guess. Kevin, we were talking about this a little bit a few minutes ago. Yeah, before um, the mics were hot. Yeah, this all started with hospitals, didn't it? Well, like originally? I mean, it's like ransomware has a pretty long history. And before I get into it, I got to, as as the resident lawyer, I got to make some disclaimers. Yes, you so, do. What I'm about to say are my opinions, not the opinions of my law firm, nice. the agencies I previously worked for, my clients, you guys, mm-hmm. maybe me next week. Who knows? <laughs> This is the man yeah. in the moment. Yes. Yeah, and with that said, I also want to say, dude, thank you so much for joining. Like, I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Welcome James, aboard. James, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I never said we were friends. Not you, Kevin. Yeah, yeah good to see you. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having a drink with me again. <laughs> so, uh, so, but yeah, I, so, I remember the history of ransomware where it was used to be, just be like, it'd be like, oh, we've hijacked. They would put like a fake screen on your, and they'd be like, oh, give us money or else. And it's like, well, else what? So like I mean, the way it started, it was like honest criminals. I, I think the way I put it a lot, a lot of ways is like gentlemen highwaymen, like hmm. the, the dread pirate Roberts in which they're like, <laughs> in wow. the sense that they would only do what they said that they would do in their ransom note. So they'd get into your machine, they'd lock it, break your computer, and then it, you can turn the computer on, a message would come up saying, ha ha, we have locked all of your things. <laughs> Pay us money or we won't unlock Is that it. kind of still how and it works? Okay. Like, no, like, no, so now, it's so definitely, now it's, now a, it's now a triple, there's now a triple threat to it. It okay. used to just be the you one double, threat. Double, triple, quadruple problems. Yeah, like, the so, quad's the new one. So what are those What are those problems? What's double, what's triple, what's quadruple? Well, so, single like, is just, they've locked so, your so stuff. First, first wave, they just locked it. You got to pay them to unlock it or you got to go refresh everything, unbreak your machines, start in it. Reset if passwords, you, et cetera? Or, or rebuild your whole, ne- like, your whole no, system. Like your whole system. Like your whole network. Oh, dang. Okay, are, wow. Are just okay. bricked. Um, they're all encrypted. So it's not like if someone hacked your uh, Facebook, if you just reset your password, it's probably you're probably good to go. Yeah, no. It's like your, your computer is entirely encrypted. Okay. It, like, yeah, it's buying a computer. Your whole network, your oh, whole system, dang. all the machines connected to that network right. are all entirely encrypted. And so – they started making a lot of money doing this. Some people have said that this first wave was done by maybe the North Koreans as a way to make some money. Sure, since they yeah. are not allowed to make money in the <laughs> economy for making atrocities. Various good reasons. Various very <laughs> legitimate reasons. But as people saw that you could make a lot of money doing this because for the business or the organization or government or whatever that got their systems locked, paying them the money, they had to unlock the system, that business model relied on there to be honesty and for that, there not to be exfiltration or anything else happening. And so you spend some money, some guys, a few Bitcoins richer, <laughs> things over. Uh, but then you got some less reputable criminals involved. This is where the double, the double ransom, right? So where now it's, have, it's pay us to unlock it 
And if you don't, we're gonna we're gonna share your information. Sell all your stuff on the internet to whoever's buying. Oh wow! Uh, and there's probably a market out there, a black market for stuff like that out there. There's got to be. Oh right? yeah, of, of course. I Massive mean, one. Depending on so, the information yeah. that you have, I mean, a lot of businesses, state and local governments, mm-hmm. organizations, hospitals. What do they have? Driver's licenses. Social security numbers, Ooh, yeah. medical information, credit card information. Yeah, so a lot of identity identity theft oh, yeah. potential. The ability to commit identity theft yeah. is there. Wow. The I'm not is, trying to give anybody ideas, okay? Yeah, don't don't yeah. do this. I mean, like, this stuff's highly <laughs> illegal. Seriously, and, don't do this. Rightfully yeah, so. Don't do this, you'll go to prison, and no one will feel sorry for you. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not really over after that, because they they have your information. Data mm. on your computer is fungible. It, they can copy fungible. it. They can say that you've deleted it, but they're probably in, like, the Ukraine or Russia or, like, yeah. somewhere else where they can bribe the cops. Thoroughly enjoying uh, all your data. Sell, they could sell it <laughs> anyway, because... What's going to stop them? And then if they say they're going through your stuff and they actually find something good, you know, like they, they find James' secret album that we all know that he may have. I heard, I heard it was NFT. Dark Side of the Moon before it was Dark Side of the Moon. I'm going to be pissed off when I can't make my <laughs> NFT. Hey, you should have made Dark Side of the Moon non-fungible, man. Look what you did. I know. Those darn bastards, Pink Floyd, stole it from and you. Then, and so that led us to the, the triple extortion. Yes, triple. What is that? So triple is not only are they locking your stuff, not only are they copying and offering to to sell you sell your information or leak your information, but now they're reaching out to your customers too or whoever you're dealing with. So customers, business partners, yeah. any Same. third party hey, you're related to. Hey. This guy, I have your information, and this guy won't pay the ransom. Yeah, uh, like so, so like, it- like small towns have been hacked, and they emailed the like the people in the town saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. why won't your government pay the hack?" Oh, okay. So basically, so like if in the sense, let's just throw a colonial under the bus. They'll like take all their employees' information and say, "Hey, we have all your information. Tell your boss or tell your why boss's your boss, boss pay." Yeah, tell your boss's boss yeah. to pay. Otherwise, you're gonna experience some identity. Otherwise, we're gonna so, sell your information I got, I got too. To fly. Yeah. So you have that. And, and now there's the a fourth, fourth level. level. The fourth level is is adding a DDoS attack on top of it, which is to say, what's DDoS? Whatever you're uh, so a DDoS dedicated attack, denial of service. They, essentially, it's someone overloads your systems with like Traffic. with attempts to access the website. So like thirty thousand people try to go to the same website at the same time, and it crashes the servers. Okay, so it's it's, it's a bandwidth thing. Like it just it just kind of yeah. overflows this this it tiny bandwidth. Yeah. Like and then the, just, the DDoS stuffs. Not generally super common with it, but what we generally see is it's new. continually threatening people. Contacting the media is something we've also seen. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's part of number four? That's a big one with hospitals. That's kind of part of number three. They're trying to reach out and put pressure oh. on the people the to pay the ransom. To pay the ransom. The external pressure. Why won't they pay? Yeah. Why won't you pay? Yeah. You got the reporters knocking on City Hall. Pay the damn ransom uh, and get this over with, right? They're, that's kind of what because the I don't are want doing. my information out right. there. You have a or, hey, like you, these people need energy in Florida. They're still filling plastic bags with gasoline, so or petroleum. So yeah, you know. I mean, like people are stupid. Like, like, Florida like, doesn't always make good obviously. choices. Like, so, like, you have all these different ways to put pressure on because the whole mm-hmm. business structure on it relies on people paying the ransom. Because if people yeah. don't pay the ransom, there's no money in it. It's a lot easier if you just pay me right off the bat because selling your information takes time. Contacting everyone else and threatening yeah. them to get you to pay me takes yeah. time. And time is money. And more importantly, it's my money that you're not paying me because I've stolen your shit. Well, frankly, so that's me, unacceptable. I think this is the ultimate question when it comes to ransomware and all that kind of stuff is if companies continue to pay the ransom and just put the the problem behind them, does it make them look weaker and does it make them look like they're – 
more vulnerable and easier to target? I should like, say is that, so. Is that a, does my question make no, sense? No, I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. Uh, like, I think paying the ransom is a bad idea, just generally. Cool. Okay, cool. I, I, I kind of think so, it too. Is, it is, however, tax deduct- it is a tax-deductible um, expense yes. to pay a ransom. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't is, necessarily so. do that in the United States to a lot of these entities. Because uh, materially supporting a terrorist organization is not tax. I've never effect. spoken to whether or not, and this would be a you question, is it may be fine for tax purposes, but it may still violate U.S. federal law. So I, that- I guess like, I, I'm going to break this up into a few different parts because we have a few different questions going here. All right. So we have like. Yeah. So the first one is, does it make them weaker? Does it make them more yeah. vulnerable to tech? Because like, does, does it encourage hackers to want to target these guys again? Because they just, last time they got targeted, they just folded like a tent. Does so, that make... To the first question, yes and no. So look at Colonial Pipeline. Uh Colonial Pipeline got hacked by a group who didn't realize they were hacking Colonial Pipeline. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. They had an exploit. (laughs) They had stolen credentials. They plugged these stolen credentials into anything that they could find that they could get into. And it worked. They hit a lot of different businesses. They happened to get into this one. They ran the same scripts that they ran on all the other businesses. But like when Joe's plumbing meant that he couldn't dispatch his plumbers, no one really cared. But <laughs> I was uh, definitely going to say $5.5 million seemed inexpensive for Colonial Pipeline. But Colonial Pipeline paid it. Right. But, mm-hmm. but, like, but Colonial Pipeline had cyber-physical systems that like pump gas. And even though the cyber-physical system was only down for like, I think maybe a day. I thought it was like 30-something hours, but I don't My know. My understanding was that it, was, it, it wasn't actually – the pump, it wasn't actually the pipeline that was affected at all. It was simply the billing system. That's right. Their processes maybe have been down for a period of time, but like gas stations across the United States, even let's, even though this didn't happen, let's assume, let's, let's pill this fake scenario yes. that, sure. that gasoline production in the United States stopped for like 24 hours. Uh-huh. If everyone just like used gas normally, uh. there would have been no interruption in service. Uh, <laughs> it's because people were freaking out. But to go back to the, the question, like, does this show that you should try to hack Colonial Pipeline again? I mean, I think people will try, but like they're probably not going to be successful because since Colonial Pipeline or any big company that's been hacked has been embarrassed publicly. You they, tend to spend a little yeah. more money on your cybersecurity. They hire some lawyers <laughs> and some cybersecurity people to go yeah. be less terrible at that. Yeah. Uh, generally, not always. But what it does do is it shows other would-be criminals, I can make a lot of money doing this. Yeah, and I see. You get a lot of copycat people. So this is a legitimate, this is an illegitimate and, practice and so you, that there's works. There's like a growing group of like what I call unorganized criminals. So disorganized crime. Yeah, disorganized crime. As so opposed like, to organized you crime. Have yeah. big organized crime <laughs> and, and state actors in the cyberspace, but you also have people mm-hmm. who they got a computer, they heard about the dark web from their cousin. They love a Dogecoin and- They're on that crypto train and they, they go on the dark web and they find that they can buy scripts- they can buy stolen credentials, uh-huh. they can buy exploits, and they just start plugging them in to see where it works and hitting control V every time they have an opportunity. <laughs> people have such terrible cybersecurity, these people will find an open door, hit paste, <laughs> and lock a computer. But what is, where do they buy it from? They're is like, it just pretty much someone else that hacked it earlier? And yeah, so they... like you, you have like hackers that like will build tools that people can oh, buy. Oh, gotcha. So there's two different parts of hacking. There's one that just like they find the information and there's two, the, the group of people that actually freeze the stuff and ask for the ransom. Well, I mean, like, so it can be the same people, like in order to oh, like, so in could, order to okay. do something like 
Step one, you have to get into someone else's network. The you can do that through yeah. a lot of different ways. Uh-huh. You can do that through social engineering. Yeah. Like calling them on the phone saying like, oh, hi there, uh-huh. Drunkenomics. My name's uh, James. I've forgotten my password. Can you tell me what my username and password is? And then I'll be like, what's the last oh, word? What's my mother's maiden name? Yeah. And then they'll say something like Sue. And then I'll be like, wow, that actually is James's mother's maiden name oh yeah, wow so, uh, cool. this is perfect oh yeah and, and my, my social security <laughs> number was what uh and that works sometimes yeah. or it could be really complex state yeah. hacking stuff but most of the time it's because people like they fired an employee who had admin access and they just like never got oh. rid of his account or like mm-hmm. the password to their admin account is admin <laughs> yeah admin, admin two or something like that three. Or, yeah. or something stupid like that. Yeah, like, it's lax. So it's lax cybersecurity. It's lax yeah. network security. It's, it's lax. That, and so, so you get in and then you have to go do something. That's like ele- elevating privileges to be able to do stuff. And that's hard. And that normally requires you to have an understanding how a computer works mm-hmm. unless you go buy something that will do it for you. And that you just go hit uh-huh. into run. You hit go. Control C, control V. It runs the malicious code. Uh-huh. And then you, you're you done. You're in. And you wait Dang. for your money. Wow. So it just encourages that market by paying the ransom because it shows that there are people that you can get and you can get real money doing it. And it's not that hard. Well, so so this is kind of an analogy and, you know, we get really analogous on this presentation. Shit, I didn't know you, you were will. allowed to do that. Yeah, it's usually just you and then everybody <laughs> takes a shot when you make a cool spirit analogy. But hey, here I am making one. So I don't know if you know who John Paul Geddes is. Geddes? Geddes? Uh, at one point, he was like one of the third wealthiest person in the world. Yeah. So there's a movie called All the Money in the World. It was his, it was his grandson, right? Yeah, so they kidnapped, they kidnapped well, but it was a grand, like a grandson that he didn't like he never knew, right? So they kidnapped him and they tortured him and all that kind of stuff and then they started sending him like they're like, "Hey, pay us a ransom or we're going to start sending you body parts of this guy." Um so you know, his defense was, I'm not going to pay the ransom because that'll encourage this terrorist group to kidnap another relative of mine yeah. or c- encourage another terrorist group to kidnap another relative of mine. So well, the original thought, point was, his argument was, I have 17 other grandchildren. Yeah. If I pay this, I'm it's open season now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like it's like feeding pigeons, like just more and more calm as, as you run out of food. Yeah. And like, honestly, like $8 million to Colonial is probably like, it probably isn't that much money to them. It's not that much money. That's like, that's like right. overhead, maybe extra for the day. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. uh, things we're, we're not negotiating for, for like living people. We're right. negotiating yeah. for, for information. And, and continue, well, also continuation of operations, theoretically a business process yeah. or revenues. Yeah, so, but, but the thing is, this has been the point of view of the FBI, multiple FBI directors across multiple yeah. administrations, presidents, the NSA. Paying the ransom is a bad idea. And for for folks like us on the finance side of stuff, on the law side of stuff, mm-hmm. on the tech side of stuff, uh, the Treasury Department recently came out with a statement kind of explaining how paying a ransom fits into the framework of U.S. sanctions laws. And so okay. in the U.S., if you do business with a sanctioned entity, you can go to jail for materially supporting like a terrorist organization right. or doing business with North Korea. It's like things under like the Trading with the Enemies Act. So we start talking yeah. to, to national security law or, or law, essentially counterterrorism yeah. law versus just tax law, which says, yeah, a ransom, again, is deductible expense. It's which a is le- weird. apparently a, which, which is a weird bribe because- is criminal. A ransom, yeah, a ransom is a legitimate expense according to U.S. tax law. Now, yeah. tax law and the other laws, just because it's tax deductible doesn't mean you should. Okay, so yeah. what was 
Like, so what was the second part of that question? So we had the one, does the, does the ransom, does paying it off encourage, encourage it? And two, I think, is it legal? I think, I think Kevin was going there. Is it legal necessarily to oh, pay? Okay, yeah. yeah. So like, is it legal? Okay. The answer to that question is it depends, which I, I, I know is like the <laughs> right, answer yes. no, one, no one likes, but like there are some key <laughs> facts issues my three law classes, every single lawyer just said, just like, well, it it's a, this is what it's what it's one like, of two answers is going to get used. Usually both. It depends one. And then the totality of the information suggests. Well, it depends because of the totality of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a go to a physical therapist and saying it's deadlifting bad for your back. And what are they going to do? It depends. Well, it depends. Yeah, so, <laughs> on the totality of the circumstances. Excellent, pre- Kevin. Existing conditions, uh, like, et cetera, right? But, and, and so but, when it comes down yeah. to this, like I, I was talking about before with, with um, like sanctions laws, like if the other person on mm-hmm. the other side of that line is North Korea. A terrorist ISIS, organization. Yeah. Or known state Russian, sponsor of Russian terror. organized crimes organizations. Yeah. State sponsors of terror. All of these groups do ransomware. Because uh-huh. it's a great moneymaker. There's almost no overhead for them. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah. And they can make money that's harder to trace than the normal bills and stuff. And mm. quite deniable. It's deniable because a lot of different groups do this. And they also do it on behalf of other groups uh, in places like Russia and China and mm. North Korea and Iran. You have organized criminals doing cyber crime. And you yeah. also have intelligence agencies doing crime and sometimes they work together or as contractors and subcontractors or as the the state people moonlighting as criminals or vice versa doing the same types of stuff for different goals colonial Uh pipeline i think really shows a really good example of this because when it happened this was the horror story in every like defense doctrine class i i was ever in when i when i was working at stratcom this is this is what people were talking about really the threat of a cyber physical attack uh-huh. and not knowing really who did it because in the context of international law in order to respond with force you have to be uh responding in self-defense to an armed attack and that's a pretty high threshold of bad things happening to you <laughs> i was gonna in say order yeah. for you to like declare war and punch somebody in the face <laughs> yeah. although from my point of view of the law, any cyber-physical attack that would turn off the lights in, like, New York or anywhere else in the U.S. likely would not rise to that occasion. Uh-huh. I'm in the minority point of view of that. And a lot of really? people in the defense community think, like, oh, yeah, turn off the lights in New York City uh, by itself. We're, okay. we're, we're putting warheads on foreheads. Well, I would certainly <laughs> say that may be a declaration of intent. In the, in the parlance of... Yeah, of, of so it, you're saying in your defense classes, they're saying, like, someone needs to get killed in order for a well, war Well, it's, it's not just people being killed. It actually has to be, like, a lot of people being killed. Uh, <laughs> okay. there's, there, there's a case uh, at the International Court of Justice... Yeah, so if Franz Ferdinand like, got shot, it'd be different. <laughs> No, I mean, for, so that's well, actually kind of similar. That was to a public official. That's this is a very we're getting off topic here. Okay, sorry. Go on. Yeah, yeah, like we are. The, the phrase in uh, I think it's Nicaragua. It's, it has to be more than mere border excursions. And in that case, uh-huh. the Sandinistas were sending like armed bands of communists going into this other country in El Salvador and just like murdering. <laughs> yeah. Them. Uh, and and that wasn't enough for the United States to respond in self defense on behalf of our ally who had requested us to come to their collective self Okay, wow. I, okay. I but the thought, thing is, but... how has Joe Biden been talking about this? How he's been talking uh, about Colonial Pipeline? He talked to uh, Vladimir Putin just the other day. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, he's been talking yeah. about the people in Russia who did this. I mean, there have been other been cyber attacks by 
Russia or Russian people. So this has been confirmed. Yeah. This is actual Russian. It was. It was. It was a group. group. It was a group in Russia. These are criminals operating in Russia. It's like this is and, Russia or yeah. entity. Yeah. I, yeah. No, that's what I was getting to. Like in the past, like the presidents of the United States, and this goes. I believe Bush, uh, Obama, Trump, yeah. uh, and his intelligence community all said like when there was a cyber attack by Russia, they were pointing out to their intelligence organizations. They were mm-hmm. indicting uh, people who were in like Russian military outfits because they were military officers for cyber crimes, but they were state acts. They were done at the direction of the Russian government for some state goal of okay. espionage or mm-hmm. subterfuge, right. which is allowed under international law. It's just some good um, old-fashioned Kremlin antics. <laughs> yeah, you know, rascally Russians. Uh, here, Joe Biden has been really specific in how he's been talking about it. These are criminals operating inside of Russia. And it really demonstrates how these things can be really muddied. The criminals operating Colonial Pipeline didn't realize they were going into a piece of U.S. critical infrastructure. They were just looking for a buck, and they had a credential. And, and, they, just and they found themselves in the in the wrong place at the right time. They probably yeah. wish they never went through with it because they <laughs> are probably the first Russian cyber criminals in a very long time that have a very good chance to be extradited to the United States. Really? So, okay, so this this kind of speaks to a certain to a to an extent of maybe international law or at least foreign policy. Like some sort of geopolitical yeah. Yeah, some geopolitical things that I think the major powers tend to kind of agree with, which is to say, we can mess with your actual infrastructure, but we won't because it escalates, because we're back to mutually assured destruction and it escalates. And so it's one of those things so, where it's yeah, like, they, like, I could turn the lights off in New York City for fun. Unintended well, then you're going to turn the lights off in Moscow for fun. And then so, so what are they everyone's, right? and, then it, yeah. and then it's just tit for tit and we keep going. Right. So, oh, yeah. And, and, and the next thing you know, like the entire yeah. Eastern, like, you know, the, yeah. all these power grids are out. Well, yeah. Right? Oh, no, I mean, so. like, next thing you know, people are turning keys in, in like, Wyoming and, like, gr- missiles are going. Correct. Uh, <laughs> well, no, it's, 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 it's a short hop from... Disrupting the critical, the critical ins- infrastructure from disrupting a f- the the infrastructure of a nation to, huh? What's that contrail mean? Thank God my desk will protect me from all the atomic <laughs> ordnance coming cover, down. It's it's good for you when I duck and the cover. Illusion of safety from the fifties, but yeah, I mean, so I just want to know, like, what are the odds that Russia actually finds finds this group? And extradites them to the U.S. Is that kind of is that a possibility? Well, they got their Bitcoin back. Well, step one, they they already know who these people are. Russia does, um, yeah. Or do we? So I mean, both the United States. Putin and was the a Russians. KGB colonel. There's not a whole lot he doesn't know about yeah. what's happening in his own nation. I was going to say. I mean, he... but so like the reason why I think it, like it's possible because they're, 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 they're having conversations, real conversations about where the line is. Well, the like money came before, back. International law allows you to do a lot of messing around in someone else's country Uh for statecraft reasons. And normally, and even within critical infrastructure, if potential adversaries probably would want to know, like, where the power plants are, where the stuff Mm -hmm. is, where airports, because if there was a conflict between these two countries, this is information they may want to use. You can get there and you can lay latent code, but to actually use it is is the problem. That's well, what I want to know too is because, like, because you know, Russia has they have a bunch of groups of hackers in their country, right? Like, yeah. what if they what if they weaponize yeah. that? Like, what can they? Well, they use already that to have. I mean, that, that's what they do. I like, understand they, that, but they, they, they contract these guys to go do stuff. The government does. Yeah. They 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 hire these hackers yeah. and they say, hey, you guys mess up these infrastructures. Well, sometimes they work for the government. Sometimes, like, they work for organized crime and they're doing work for the government because Putin needs uh, a favor. Right, and they're saying, hey, Ukraine did something that we don't like, so why don't you? 
you know, yeah. stick a thorn in their side by doing go, this. Go, go do some, some, some annoying. Thing. I'd really like, yeah, the, I'd really like the power time. to go off in Kiev. Or, <laughs> yeah. Pres- the President Putin would really love the power to go off in Kiev during their uh, independent national independence celebration. Well, it would look really bad if the FSB did that. But if a guy who owed a favor to, to a guy has a group that could right. do that, but the thing is. What this example has, what Colonial Pipeline has taught the Russians is that uh-huh. this level of ambiguity and this type of unintended action, because you have all these freelancers who are kind of associated with government, but kind of not uh-huh. doing a lot of stuff. If they actually get, get into the wrong system, it's not that unreasonable for maybe a less sophisticated nation than the United States huh. or even the United States to think that like, oh, the Russians they're going to do something. This wow. is a prelude to an attack. And mm-hmm. I'm going to assert my right to preemptive self-defense and we're going to be turning keys today yeah. or something like that. So Again, I mean, very fast escalation. But like that's – the Russians don't want that. The Russians want to be the one escalating past the point where their adversaries are comfortable. They don't want to be out escalating. Russia wants to be the guy out pushing boundaries to their benefit, specifically economically because frankly they're in – And in order to prevent that from happening, you need to create norms to say like, hey, when I'm doing this type of thing, Mm -hmm. it's normal. It's still – It's day-to-day stuff. And this thing, that's provocation. That's escalation. Once you get to that point – that has to be done purposefully. So you're saying like when you – you know, when you said warhead on forehead, like (laughs) that's the line. That might be one of my favorites for you by now. Yeah, that's an awesome line by the way. But so pretty much everything up to that point when it comes to hacking – Everything up to warhead on forehead, that is okay, and that's kind of what Russia is trying to do? Or So, so I mean, like, that's my theory of international law. Uh-huh. But what the Russians in the United States are talking about now is saying, like, okay, we understand that we can do all of the cyber stuff, uh-huh. but even if we do stuff that's, like, in this top middle third, uh-huh. top middle third, just like, pretty this much top like chunk. top middle third of everything shy of warhead on forehead kind of deal like, <laughs> like 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 messing with critical infrastructure right. messing with cyber physical systems doing stuff that affect the day-to-day life of people in the country rather than like stealing intellectual property mm. china or snooping <laughs> on government computers to see what they're doing or or, or that type of stuff maybe we we will agree to not do that as a norm it's something that we would theoretically be allowed to do under international law, uh-huh. but we're just not going to do it because if we do do that, it's really easy to misinterpret, you know, just us poking you versus as a real provocation or a or a prelude as a first strike, essentially, like, like a push that yeah. a, a push that yeah. warrants a punch back, right? Yeah. Kind of like that. And, and that's that's the conversation that's Joe Biden and Putin are having. As in, like, where um, do you, where do you draw the line? Like, that's the conversation, yeah, or like, like what, what's acceptable? I mean. I don't know our capabilities, but I'm pretty sure people up at, uh, in Maryland know how Fort to Mead. use a computer pretty well. <laughs> mm, probably we could not. Retaliate probably if we wanted to. Okay. Yeah. So I guess uh, what I'll ask is this, Kevin. Um, so Colonial Pipeline paid $5.5 million in Bitcoin. And then somehow, right before a conversation between the presidents, right before everything else, the uh, $3.3, $3.4 million was, uh, was recovered. From the said group. Right. Now, I'm willing to bet personally that that's just the devaluation of Bitcoin between when it was paid and when it got back. So it was like, I paid you 12 Bitcoin. I got 12 Bitcoin back. It's just fucking depleted <laughs> or it lost value. But um, how do you think that came to play? 
So, I mean, I mean, officially speaking, the Department of Justice actually put out a thing on it. DOJ went and got the money. How they did it, I mean, if it's either through, I think they might have used uh, the FBI's people. Uh, there are, since it's foreign groups, they can leverage like other elements of the U.S. government to do it. Treasury and yeah, such as if you want to do business with the United States, you with anyone that does business with the United States, you can't be involved in this, which is one of the big ones that Treasury likes to use. Well, I mean, they they stole the money back. They hacked. Oh, they stole the money back. Oh, no, they found the wallet. So, folks, that is okay. So that's even better. Bitcoin's an immutable ledger. If you have bits of information, this is wonderful. This is amazing. Together and figure out exactly who you are. That's the purpose of blockchain. It's so you could actually trace exactly where the Bitcoin went and then claw it oh, back. That's why Wait Bitcoin might go to hundred thousand by episode right. four twenty. If Bitcoin <laughs> is under seventy thousand tomorrow, in fact, you know what, Kevin? I think what you've just said is brilliant. And by the time that gets to the ears of everyone listening, Bitcoin is going to be down to it's going to be under thirty thousand right there because now they know the government can hack it. Back. <laughs> I mean, like, like, why do you think the Chinese government's trying to make? A cryptocurrency. It's something they control even more. Okay, so I, I want to move into a couple of different things because we, we we talked a lot before the mics were hot uh, when you were getting your two mm-hmm. shots in. Because um, those are the rules, folks. Yes, yes. I don't I don't care if it's hot. cold brew coffee, espresso, or liquor. I do care if it's the timing. If you're about to drive, or rum. It's, yes, or rum, don't do that. Vodka. Hey, yeah. If you're about to drive, stick to cold brew and espresso. If you're not driving, not driving. Oh, oh, there he is. Yes, there he is. Two before yeah, the mic's hot. Yeah, he's down Don't in the bottle. Look at that. He the bottle's it. upside down. He's literally filling and killing. Don't kill my friend. I'm so happy I'm right now. Board. Wow, that room is really dark. I mean, I Dang. really like uh, Barnacore specifically because it has a really unique tang to it. Have you ever made an Owako with that one? An Owako? Oh, no, sorry. An Old San Juan. Mm. Yeah, you ever made an Old San Juan with that? So you, I, I guess you like, should. Like, like this, this is my sipping rum. I, 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 have, I have different... I, I'll be rum. honest. I wouldn't necessarily use a 15-year rum to make a, an Old, an old San Juan. Uh, I'll use an 8-year. Yeah, like a Bacardi. Yeah, yeah uh, Cardi they, eight. Eight, they have an 8-star. That, that I think would be perfect for that. Yeah, an 8-year for cocktailing. Yeah. But anyways, let's let's go back to... Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so back to so I want to talk about JPS an and then I want to talk about uh, you know mm-hmm. what got us into that off-topic discussion, which was when the mics were pre-hot. We were talking about how medical institutions were really prime yeah. subjects for uh, for hackers. So because kind of when I when I yeah. started, I asked you this all started essentially with hospitals, right, or with yeah. medical. Providers is that well, is like, that a fair assessment? Medical institutions have been victims in all of the different waves of ransomware. I don't know if they were the first, uh, but they've definitely been prominent in all of them. So they're and, consistent. Yeah, yeah. And because they make good victims. That's you have kind of sad, a yeah. place where a lot of people work, and it's a place where everyone really needs. And operations can't stop because something yes. happens. Because like people are still going to hit right? by a so, car or something. Yeah, well, it's kind of like energy and food, right? Which is JPS and and Colonial, right? Where you know we need that. Well, so, J- so JBS is the largest meat packer in the world. See what I mean? Um, it's a Brazilian-based company, but it has huge. It, but it's the largest producer, like I said, in the U.S. I know they're a Brazilian. Wow, they're Brazilian. Yeah, it's a Brazilian firm, which is why they got in trouble about. Well, in the U.S., they got in trouble about what six, seven years ago because. Bribery is legal in Brazil. I mean, it, it, yeah. It's not. It's just accepted. No one says or does anything. It's yeah. legal. Okay, so so with the with the whole JBS thing, and then you know hospitals and all those places, those are places. If they cease operations, it could be detrimental to a lot of people. 
if JBS or anybody that produces meat, I mean, the whole world isn't vegan. So, so the thing is, a um, lot of times the impact of systems is minimal and people's fear of what could happen is greater than what could actually happen. So it's kind of like the animal and spirits, so, the, the Keynesian animals. Or, or even what uh, – well, actually what I was going to say is it's what um, – Night of the Living Dead was talking about it. It's, it's not the zombies that are the problem. It's the fear of the zombies. It's the what humans yeah. will do to other humans instead of dealing with the problem. So it's it's that's what I was going to say. So it's kind of like the movie Prisoners or the or or what happened with the toilet paper shortage about a year ago. This no, toilet paper shortage is a perfect analogy. Yeah. It's yeah, it like, had it's, nothing to do with the issue at hand. Right, it I caused mean, a lot of problems. Right, because like I so I guess I should have led with this, but like my main practice of law is dealing with ransomware definitely uh, should have left with that one yeah state local governments <laughs> who have like necessary services to their constituents uh back online nice. figuring out what happened and then making it right to those people who were affected uh-huh. and in the united states uh, as in a lot of places hospitals are really big targets and they're also i think really vulnerable to falling into the trap of ransomware and actually paying it and making the problem worse uh, or trying to hide stuff because we have things like HIPAA, uh, and HIPAA as a privacy law, can't disclose I mean, there anything. are some protections yeah. in it, but for a, a hospital or a person who holds healthcare information, it really boils down to, do you have a security plan? Mm-hmm. Did you follow the plan when bad things happened? Generally, there haven't been enforcement cases where they looked at the quality of the plan. And so we used to joke in law school that the plan could be, I'm going to cry deeply and call my attorney. Uh-huh. And then when I got hacked, I cried deeply and I called my attorney. <laughs> plan one. Panic. One. Yeah. I and, have and, a and plan. That they were compliant. They're HIPAA compliant. They, they did their job. They did what they were okay, supposed so to do. L- l- let me ask you a question. So is, you know, and this goes back to the question that I asked way earlier at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. is because hospitals, because of HIPAA and the pressures of HIPAA and all that kind of stuff, because Hospitals pay the ransom very quickly. They, well, they should. The well, they actually they don't. They so, don't. so that they generally don't. If they get good lawyers, like perhaps me, but <laughs> Dad, the, you, yes, but, the best. Uh, the, the, the bigger you thing are the is, best. hospitals are I mean big that. targets because they have a lot of information. Uh-huh. They have certain incentives, but most importantly, they have certain vulnerabilities. They're easy to disrupt. What I was getting at before, a lot of different types of people work in hospitals. A lot of different people have to have access to a lot of different types of information uh-huh. at hospitals. They have to do billing. They have to reach out to people. They have a lot of vendors because you have all these different aspects, different practices in hospitals. And that's, that and that's, ex- and that's the extortion three is everyone else now is getting that. Why aren't they paying Well, us? not that. It's that you have this huge... Hmm threat surface well, yeah. that somebody can find a way in. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a oh. lot of ways and in. Once you're in, because you have a lot of things that have to talk to one another, you can it's, escalate your way up and lock a lot of different things at the same you time. Disru- it's it's so easy it's to that, infiltrate oh, and easy okay. to disrupt. It's not that it's a hospital. It's that it's a big business with a lot of different entry points that gives a potential threat actor the ability to get in. And once they're in, do a lot of damage. And that's why you hear oh. about a lot of hospitals on the news. And unlike other businesses that may have the same type of thing, like distributors of things, like the, I don't know, like the Oriental Trading Company. Uh-huh. I don't know if they've ever been hacked, but like they have a lot of vendors, like they sell a lot of cool stuff. They have to reach out to a lot of people. But God forbid this ever happens. I mean, my novelties will, like my love of novelties will suffer because <laughs> of it. But yeah. if the Oriental Trading Company got hit with ransomware, God, oh, again, I, I wish that never to happen. Like your day to day in your community won't stop. Uh But if the hospital gets hit, even if operations don't stop, everybody's going to know about it. 
Because if you look at a lot of communities that have a hospital in it, yeah. that's the largest employer. So everyone's going to hear so like about the, it. Yeah, so in small, and especially so, in smaller towns, you know, like in small towns where you have to drive 45 minutes if you need to get a surgery. Well, I mean, right? like like even like in Omaha, which has like a ton of hospitals, but people oh, yeah. know, know doctors who work at the yeah. hospitals. And it's gossip and people hear about it and that gets it to the news. Mm-hmm. And so they are victims because of the type of business that they are and the way that their systems are set up. And mm-hmm. – you hear about it more because of just how communities are laid out. It's an important part of any community, healthcare, and a lot of people work in it. So people are going to hear about it. So it's going to make it yeah. to the lo- to your local channel five news. And so yeah. they're not any different than any other business. The goal of the hacker is neutral to any, to whatever business they're going for. They're just trying to find somebody who has money, mm-hmm. enough money, and personal information. That they'd be willing to pay for. Well, so when you disrupt a hospital, you don't just disrupt the single location. Most of the times when you go to a city, you might say like, oh, there's this hospital. But if I need medical attention, I can go to one of these clinics. Well, it's all the same network. Yeah. Because it's these clinics are part of that well, hospital. I, well, think about like, think about how many hospitals are like, you know what? Because like, I, I mean, when I was a little kid out of disease... That was pretty detrimental. It was, pretty, it was a life-threatening disease. I mean, not that life-threatening. I'm not like traumatized by it, so don't worry about that. Okay, but anyways, so I had a disease mm-hmm. that, was pretty, that was pretty serious, and I went to a hospital, and then I went to another hospital, and they're like, "Oh wait, we don't have the correct doctor. We don't have an expert. We'll send yeah, you to so an the, expert." So then, like, so I got transferred three times, like when I had the, when I was a kid, like, and I had this disease. It's like easier to move the doctor. Well, I, I, well, I don't know why, but like, I, <clears throat> have you ever met them? Yeah, I don't know, but but it was like a but it was but it was in Phoenix, Arizona. So I went from like one, I went to, I went to like Chandler, and I went to the other side of Chandler, and then I went to Mesa, and then that's at, at Mesa the doctor was there, and the, and they gave him the treatment, and I was good, right? So like, and it was like they gave me the treatment, and I was like, I bam. mean, you're okay. Yeah, but I'm glad. Well, you're I mean, healthy. it was yeah, I mean, it was like yeah. they like as soon as they found out what it was yeah. when I got to Mesa, it was like they found out what it was like that, and they gave me the treatment like that, and I was out. So like it was, but there so, was, a, but here's to be fair. There was a lot of transmission of your medical records through right, the system. So all, that, that's what I was saying was like, you know, and if it gets locked at any point, yeah, that affects right. you. So that's what I'm saying is like, Quite I feel like that happens more. I know I'm not a unique case when it comes right. to. No, I mean, HIPAA is about the transportation of medical right. records digitally. So, they can yeah. also create a physical mm-hmm. record, what your right. case is. It, it, and also transport yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's about yeah. portability. And when they pulled like my record, it was like they had everything that I've ever done. Yeah, like, or everything I've gone to, to see a doctor for. And so it's, it's so it's like it, a supply so. chain. If I could if I could just lock the supply chain at one point, I could disrupt everything. Right. Right. And, you, and you do. And these things can cause cascading impacts, which mm-hmm. is like important to have a cybersecurity plan. I mean. Any hospital out there that may be listening, you have to have one anyway. Like a yeah. real plan that isn't that isn't just uh, point one panic, panic, point two cry, <laughs> point it. three call lawyer. Uh, call Kevin, no, not call lawyer. Call Kevin. The, well, I mean, I mean call, call lawyer should be sorry. Call insurance and lawyer should be like point, point one. five. But before panic all of this, one. and I, I think this really undergirds everything. Is like everyone needs to be at have like a constant phase zero of cybersecurity. Yeah, absolutely, because. The way that these people are getting in, it's not – these are not elite they're hackers not, it's not, doing – It's not brute force, is it? It's not a brute force. That, they're not forcing your gateway. It's that they're slipping in because someone yeah. left their password you left out. your door unlocked and ajar. Yeah. It's like – did you guys watch that Netflix documentary? It's not breaking – I thought it was unbelievable. It's not breaking in if the door There's was open. There's a serial killer in California in the 70s who was just like 
walk in to open doors and murder people and then leave. Oh, the uh, like, the Night Stalker. You should lock your doors. And you should also lock your computer doors, your cyber doors. Uh, it's less expensive and invasive than I think a lot An of people $8 million think. ransom, yeah. In Bitcoin, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, JBS paid eleven million. Oh yeah, they get a bit. whatever was disrupted for them back. They paid eleven yeah. million. No, but the thing is, like, it's it's more than just the actual cost of the ransom. Oh That's no, people are gonna find out that you paid. You have to notify all the people who did it. There's disruption, and now no one trusts you. Like, I know people today who still don't like shopping at Target because they oh, lost yeah. all of everybody's well, information Fargo, yeah. so many years ago. So for me, Wells I don't Fargo. save my credit card information with anyone. So everyone's like, oh, I don't care who it is, Steam, Pizza Hut, whoever's talking about it. And they're like, do you want to save your card so it's faster next time? And my response is no. Well, so I mean, yeah, no. I mean, but is that is that the best solution? Is just like phase zero? Let's 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 invest more money into a better infrastructure. Let's invest more money into security, so that we don't have to pay these eight million dollars software, these eight million dollar ransoms. And not to mention, like once you pay your eight, like once you pay an eight million dollar ransom, it's not like you just pay an eight million dollar ransom and that's it. You pay an eight million dollar ransom and then you start looking like, okay, you know what? Where can we start upgrading at phase zero? Right. right. So, so I mean, like there's that, but like if you you can have backups. You can have air-gapped backups for very vital, important information. So, like, even if all your stuff is bricked, you may lose some information. You may have since the most time, recent update. You can refresh everything. I've lost everything since Thursday, but I still have everything prior to Thursday. And there are a lot of ways that you can do it, and you can do it. The more you back up, the better, and the more secure the backup is, the better. But that does add cost. Mm. But I, I think that cost is lower than the total cost of dealing with a cybersecurity incident. Another way is to just be aware that your systems may be compromised and be on the lookout for things that people trying to escalate access, people trying to do weird things, people sending weird emails, and just have no trust within your own network. Well, a certain amount of a certain amount of that in accounting we have a very simple it's this the separation of duties and then there's right, another, yeah. the idea on top of that, then we also have like, Auditing. oh, well, what are your backups? You have active and passive security. Then you have this, this very simple problem, yeah. concept of like, well, what happens if your building burns down? It's like, well, we, we back up our information offsite, you know, once a week. Or if you're doing a huge, if there's a lot of money involved, well, we back up offsite once a day or once an hour because that's right. devastating. I mean, like, another and, thing I've seen is like people are willing to do put really big costs and prepare for natural disasters. Yeah. Hurricane preparedness. Yeah, and not so willing to prepare for other but, but not other but not people. for yeah. for cyber preparedness because it's not their information that's going to be stolen. Well and because ransoms are, are tax deductible, right, James? Yeah, again, so. don't pay ransoms. You personally may go to jail, depending on who you are and what who you're again all, the all, to. all I'm saying from tax code's perspective is it is legal to expense a ransom. From a t- from a solely tax perspective, it is legal to pay a ransom. Is it I, I legal? Guess it's into now, business expense. Is it legal to pay that guy the ransom? You yeah, should. That's Let's put this way: if you're at a point okay, where you're going to pay depends. a ransom, better get a lawyer. Okay, so <laughs> yes. uh, we laid out one solution, there. which is obviously upgrade at phase zero. Phase zero. So don't pay. Why? What, what's, what's your rationale behind don't pay? At don't all? pay. Call Biden. You're, you get no benefit from it. You can't trust the criminal. They may say they'll unlock it. You don't know that. They may say that they'll delete the information. You don't know that. They may say that they're not going to sell it online. Once you the money's gone, that. yeah. They're not honest Before actors. Before doing cybersecurity law, 
I worked at United States Strategic Command, and in the nuclear world, in the nuclear deterrence world, a concept that we talk about is trust but verify. That's like the core concept of arms control between the United States and Russia. Yeah. So that's um, why we get to fly over. We trust the Russians to to follow their international agreement under Start. Yes. Do I want to see all the missiles chopped up on the ground? Also, Also, yes. You want to verify that it happened. And these these threat actors generally work, although not always, in areas outside of the reach of American law enforcement, in places where they are either to, where we're unable to extradite them. Or they are or immune from. They're immune from. Right. Or they are in a place where they can bribe the cops to the point where. They, don't have, they won't extradite them. You're never going to yeah. get them. I would call that immunity. So. Yeah, it's just, it's just well, yeah, I mean, essentially like, the same thing. Functionally the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah. And so. Functionally, yeah. Like, how, how can you trust Ivan to, <laughs> to not sell your stuff on the internet? Because he has, he still has your information. He can still do whatever he wants. And his first interaction with you was a criminal one. He stole your shit. And then you're, and now you trust him to unsteal your shit. It's it's a scorpion in the frog. Like, like you're, you're going down. Fine, scorpion. Let's go swim. I'll die, but I'm taking you with me. You gain no benefit by paying (laughs) a ransom in almost any case I can imagine. Theoretically, could there be a case in which you could pay a ransom? It would make sense. Yes. But. I have a hard time fathoming that because generally it's a no-win scenario. So what about terms? Like how do you company. get your business back going? How do you how do you resume operations? So like what are the things that we do at Woods Rogers and what we encourage a lot of people to do? Nice. You get cyber insurance or if you have your own business, it's part of your like business expenses. You And you go call an attorney. And you want to call an attorney in particular because everything, the investigation that we do and all the processes that would get you back online are cloaked under the realm of privilege and nothing that we figure out is going to come out until we decide it comes out so that allows us to figure out a what happened b who was impacted Uh and c who do we have to notify what regulations do we need to follow who do we need to talk to what type of law enforcement do we need to talk to to get this all right but at the same time we also work with the forensic experts, technical experts, cybersecurity experts, to not just figure out and forensically find out what happened, but also get you back online and returning to the services to your companies, your constituents, your people, whomever you serve as quickly as possible. And all of that is done through the cloak of privilege and through the lens of both protecting the information that you we need to protect in order to continue and have a real uh, investigation to figure out what happened and be able to provide um, remittance to the people who were affected. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I would, I would assume you also um, would, are able to work with with federal with oh yeah to make to make people whole to the best of our ability. Yeah. So if you're a critical infrastructure company or like business or entity, uh, CISA 2015, the uh, Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act of 2015, nice provides you a lot of free services. In sharing information with the federal government, mm-hmm. specifically uh, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, bit of mouthful, used to work there. Oh, wow. Um, without, okay. without necessarily giving up privilege or giving up trade secrets or giving up no, it's, but it's important, <laughs> true, but important so, information. Right. Yeah. And so, so you can figure out and deal with the cybersecurity problem, get your stuff online before you have to – face the public, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so have your ducks yeah, in a row. Gets, you can get everything ready and know exactly what happened and approach the people who need to know who were affected as quickly as possible while getting your services back on as quickly as possible. Yes, restoring. Mm-hmm. And going through a lawyer protects that whole thing, allows you to 
uh, gracefully rebuild your systems, figure out what happened, and prevent that from happening in the future. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But so, what's the most active way to what's, try? What's the best thing they can do at phase zero? Yeah, essentially. I mean, like have two-factor authentication for your right. accounts. Okay. Uh, like that's right. it's, it, it's easy, cheap to implement. Yeah. Have okay. real passwords. Okay, so compel real passwords. Force not to be like. An Lim- easy limit, word and a number limit, or something. Like, I mean, it, it's a lot of basic cybersecurity stuff. Limit people's sure. admin access to stuff. Storing, yeah. yeah. Storing have, your... Have backups. Have there you go. backups okay. separate from the so rest of your network. actively that are separate. And, and okay. Actually, and, and have a plan. It, it does seem very plan, obvious like, to like to do that, but at the same I mean, time... But you'd be clearly, really surprised. Clearly, it's, the it's level not that of obvious. security people have, like... I've seen people who have lists of usernames and passwords on an unprotected Word document on their unprotected machine for everybody in their in that editor. Yeah, that's not okay. That is a fungible item right something there. Something like that. And that, that, that. You can control V like, that. That's yeah. a really bad idea. Don't do that. Yeah. If no. something's really important, encrypt it. So yeah. phase two, what is the most important thing? You get ha- – or phase one, sorry. Phase one. Hack happened. So, yeah, so phase one, what is the most important thing? You get hacked – what do you got to do? Got to call the lawyer. Call the lawyer. What's what's the lawyer gonna do? So I mean, like for for all all of you business owners out there, if you have insurance, check your insurance policy to see if they'll pay for it. <laughs> uh, and if not, call a name. I don't know. Call a lawyer, not necessarily me. A lawyer that will be best able to protect you. If you can, call Kevin. Uh, but if not, call a yeah. lawyer. Yeah, especially but, uh, if you're in Virginia, D.C., Maryland, or Nebraska. So like what, what we do as lawyers is we mm-hmm. first sit down with the client and say like, all right, what happened? Try to get as much information as we can, kind of understand the scope of the problem. Uh-huh. Uh, we, all, we ask for like network maps. What type of devices do you have? How many devices do you have? What's been impacted? Uh, and then we also kind of talk about like, all right, what type of systems do you need to be working as soon as possible? If 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 this is information this person has, a lot of times a bit of damage control and a bit of we have the operation, so we can help prioritize yeah. stuff. So, uh, figure out well, like so you all can, right, yeah, so you can like, resume cash flows, right? Resume so cash flows. I primarily work with state and local government, so like, oh my gosh, oh gotcha. We have to do payroll for the whole city on Friday, or like the utility. We have to do utilities, or else the yeah. city won't have power, or something like that. Yeah, uh, or like the, they can't the flush toilets. The old doors are locked, yeah. and then my question is. Are they locked closed or open? Both are bad. One is worse. Um, yeah, so, so like things like that, just to like get an idea of the scope and urgency of the issue. Uh, and then we go contact one of our cybersecurity experts uh, who is part of an MSA with a uh, master service agreement with us <laughs> and is protected under our circle of trust and privilege. And we bring them in uh, and under our, our guidance and leadership, we lead this investigation figure out what happened, and start restoring things as quickly as we can. So that's step one, making sure the threat actor is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a big one. Step two, restoring services in a priority order so we can make sure the things that need to go, go, and things that can wait, can wait. Uh, and while that happens, we work on – we look at the legal issues, what duties we have to notify, either state organizations – regulatory organizations, mm-hmm. specific individuals in certain cases, boards of um, trustees, boards of uh, businesses, depends on the, the facts type of entity that we're dealing with. Yeah. Once systems are restored yeah. and we have kind of an idea of what happened, then we try to look at the scope of the damage or like what information was stolen, what was touched. Uh-huh. Sometimes we will talk to the threat actor to see, did they actually steal anything? Yeah. Like show us some proof of life. At the end of the day, we're probably not going to pay 
but we are willing to go f- try to figure out what they what they got because if they don't have anything good or they didn't, we are not sure if they really exfiltrated anything. Then we can just laugh at them then, and it's like, in the face. Like, you guys, yeah. But even small businesses, medium sized businesses, small towns, counties can bounce back pretty quickly if they reach out to professionals that can help them. A lot of time, what happens when you hear about people paying is they either are so scared and they just pay immediately. The screen comes up and they're like, oh, There's I don't want my boss to find out and they pay. It's the St. Patrick's that, that's Day That's what these, these guys, guys really work on. That's how you over-exaggerate your actual yeah. bosses, if you will. Or you have um, an entity that, oh, we don't really want this to get out, blah, blah, blah. And they think paying it will be more quiet, which, again, is a bad idea depending on the circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. Those who help facilitate that paying of the ransom may be violating laws depending on the circumstances, yeah. according to the Treasury Department. And th- I think your, your net benefit's pretty minimal because if you look at the instances where people pay ransoms, that's the ones that we know about. <laughs> what, what do we read in the news? Blah, blah, yeah. blah business pays criminals X dollar. Well, yeah, and now. that's the thing is like- I, mean, like, I, I yeah. don't think the, the incentives are really there in most cases mm-hmm. to pay I would agree. Pay a ransom. I agree. One, you one don't have shouldn't... certainty that anything good's going to happen to you. That they're gonna do any of the things that they say. I mean, worst comes to and worst, they've shut down your business, yeah. and it's like, well, I could still do the work. Yeah. It's just I may have to go through and spend more money now. But frankly, that's just another upfront expense. I have to, I right. have to fix yeah. something that someone hacked into. I mean, when it, and I'm, when, when I talk to insurance companies, I, I kind of think that like this is like a flood. Mm-hmm. Floods happen quickly, and they and, and they have, stop, and then they stop. The damage is done, but you got to get the water out. Yeah, it takes a while to get the water out, figure out what mm-hmm. caused the leak, how to mitigate it, up, it. Yeah. to do remediation yeah. to get ev- to get everything good, get the mold yeah. out of there, and that's kind of what we that's do. Analogy. I'm just like a really posh plumber. <laughs> <laughs> So posh. There we are. So posh. Turns man. out, turns out, so folks. Posh. When, it, when it comes to cybersecurity law, all you need is a posh plumber. Yeah, yeah. And we got one. But anyways, uh, I, I feel like we've kept you long <laughs> enough, dude. This was this was a fantastic yeah. confer- conversation. I don't know if we uh, reached it a, was. a solid conclusion or not, but either way, uh, this was a very insightful conversation for me. Uh, and if you uh, were fortunate enough to have a drink with Kevin. Uh, hopefully it was insightful for you too. And the rest of us, yeah. Or just the rest of also, you too. Yeah. We're going to get Kevin back. We're going to talk about bribes one yeah. day. I, I'd love cause... to talk about bribes. The Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is a really interesting law. So many acts. Uh, so many acts, man. Well, yeah, they did well, ask it, about it, bribes. We haven't asked it, about It makes bribes. it illegal for Americans to pay bribes to The foreign. only thing with more acts than Hollywood is the legal system. So. Let's find out. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. This has been fantastic. Oh, dude, yeah, anytime. <laughs> Cheers, Kevin. Yeah. But uh, real yeah. quick, thanks for yeah. coming out. Absolutely. Real quick, just a couple of things before we touch up. Find us on social media at Junkonomical. You know, if Kevin's going to come on again, I hope. And when he does, feel free to shoot us some questions. If you have questions of your own that you just want to ask either me or our less gracious host, James, uh, feel free to shoot them our way on social media. Yeah. Who can I bribe and when can I bribe? Yeah, them? Exactly. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, just a quick wrap up. You know, we filled and we killed as we always do. We played, yeah, we did. We chested and we did it. Checker, checkered, we chest checkered. not checkered. checkered. Yeah, we chest not checkered. Wasn't bragging, was just saying. And last but not least, uh, what were we? We were, uh, stay drunk and my friends. Oh, oh man. Man. Kevin, a hood at media production.